0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficicelli.
1: Hello and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli. Here's a quote for you. If you really want to be happy, pray to God and ask him what he wants you to do with your life. And these were some important words my guest today received from his eighth grade teacher, a very wise sister. And it's a challenge he took to heart and began praying daily. And what were the fruits of it? Well, that's what we're going to find out in our talk today. Uh, My guest is Father Robert Kitzmiller. Uh, After serving as pastor at St. Simon and Jude in West Jefferson, he is working full-time now at the um, tribunal as an adjudant judicial vicar. So welcome, Father Kitzmiller, to Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio.
0: Thank you, Elizabeth.
1: So, Father, I have to first tell a funny story to our listeners about how you and I met. We were at a, um, like, a Respect Life Day down at the State House, heard some, you know, speakers and politicians speaking, and there were a number of priests there. And I'm always looking around when I'm around priests to see, do I know that person? Have I had him on my show? And I saw you in the corner of my eye, but I thought you were um, Father ferguson i ran up and gave you this big hug and realized as i was hugging you that you were not father ferguson you had no idea who i was and then you introduced yourself to me and then i gave you another big hug because yeah. i love my priest so uh-huh. um and that's how we got you roped in to be on the program so right <laughs> we're so glad that yeah, you. and could. sometimes
0: i'm <laughs> often confused with father ferguson so i not surprised
1: oh my gosh even your voice too it's funny So, Father, you were born in Kansas City, uh, but you moved to Columbus as a baby, so Columbus is your hometown. And uh, why don't you first start by giving us a little background on the family you grew up in, because I know they played an important part of your faith formation.
0: Yes, um, I'm from a a family of six children. Uh, My mother and father are still living, uh, still married, uh, over 50 years now. and it was a close-knit family. Um, my brothers and sisters played with each other. We were um, in the same school. We went to Catholic schools. Uh, and so we we had a a, a very close relationship as, with other friends as well. Um, and uh, I would say we were a tight-knit uh, family.
1: And what about um, actually practicing any devotions or any kind of prayers at home? How did you maybe live out your Catholic faith at home, would you say? Well,
0: uh Prayer was always a strong part of our life. Uh, we prayed before meals. Uh, we were taught to pray uh, at the end of the day before we went to bed to kneel down and pray. Uh, we were given prayer books as we approached uh, the sacraments, say, First Communion, um, uh, rosaries, uh, we were taught to pray those. Um, I had the example of my parents who t- took a, took us to church every Sunday. Um, they would kneel down and pray, uh, bow their head, uh, and my mom would put her her hands in her face and, and uh, be praying. So I learned uh, from an early age um, uh, that prayer was important, it was serious, and it was a, a way for us to connect with God. Uh, so it, it, it surrounded our, 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 our daily life.
1: Okay. And so in addition to then the family, uh, you also had several years of Catholic education starting in second grade.
0: Correct. Um, we... We're on a waiting list to get into the Catholic school. Um, and so I, my first two years were at the public school, kindergarten and first grade. And then I started uh, Catholic schools in the second grade, and, uh, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school at St. Charles, Catholic University at Xavier University. So a, a, a very uh, uh, extensive Catholic education. Okay. And altar server as a boy? and Correct. Um, my brother and I started. I was in the fourth grade. I think he was in the fifth um, we started serving at St. Philip, the Apostle Church, our home parish. Uh, I served uh, up through high school. Um, um, and It was uh, uh, sort of a regular thing uh, to be on the altar, even on the holidays, uh, uh, the Easter Masses, uh, the Holy Week Masses uh, as well.
1: And, you know, with that background, uh, you're growing up in this Catholic family where, you know, Catholicism is your identity. Uh, your, your grade school started there, at least, um, solid Catholic schooling. Was the thought of priesthood there in your mind as a boy as a young boy
0: I don't think so um although it was part of our life, so it was it was not unusual to uh every now and then to play mass as a child uh, with my brothers and sisters uh to um, pretend we had vestments uh, pretend we pretend we had an altar and bread and vessels and, and a sacramentary and all of that and so um that was sort of modeled for us by going to, to to mass and seeing what the priest does um so but my uh ambitions probably as a child was to maybe uh, the dreams of, of other lots of little boys uh, to play baseball or or to to be a star or something like that mm-hmm. um and so those were probably more my thoughts and, uh, and i enjoyed sports and playing so um, probably a serious uh, vocation uh, uh, was probably not in, uh, in the front of my mind at that time.
1: Okay. So in about eighth grade, um, if I have that right, that was the teacher, that the sister, mm-hmm. that gave the, the wisdom about if you want to be happy, you know, pray and ask God what he wants you to do with your life. That, that's the key. I mean, that, that, that is so true. Most mm-hmm. people don't think of that. They think, what do I want to do with my life? But that really set you on a trajectory for praying.
0: Correct. And I obviously it, it did because I still remember that uh, little talk in in one of the religion classes in eighth grade, um, and so um, it, it made sense. Um, I believed that God was all powerful, and we were taught He was loving and generous, and so obviously He had our best interest in mind. So I prayed that prayer, hoping that He would give me something I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, to be maybe a, a, a baseball star or something like that, to have money and family and all that. Um, so uh, when I received my calling, it was in prayer, and it was God po- po- calling me to the priesthood. And um, it was not what I wanted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Talk I, about that. Talk about that moment, because that does seem like a very, very transformative moment in It was life.
0: a powerful moment in prayer where I realized that this was the Lord telling me, uh, be a priest. I could almost see the words in my head, be mm-hmm. a priest. Um, I knew it was not coming from me; it was coming from God, um, so one, it was a very powerful experience, and it was a powerful experience of the Almighty. Um, it was shook me a, a bit. I was young, I believe I was probably a freshman in high school at the time um, and so that that changed sort of my outlook. Um, I was afraid too, could I really do this? Uh, could I be happy? Um, and I realized by then that um uh being a priest uh being a pastor in charge of people also was a cost um, you you had to um, tell people uh the truth mm-hmm. preach the truth um, which meant uh conflict at times and uh, something that may as my my personality uh was not uh, geared towards but um, so it was a growing – it had to be a sort of a growing acceptance of that uh, of that call. Um,
1: Did you, Father, tell anyone about that experience you had when you were in ninth grade or so? Um, or was this something you kind of kept to yourself initially?
0: I kept it to myself. Um, it was a uh, – you know, I just went to a, an all-boys high school, and, and it was probably something you wouldn't just share with your friends. Um, and um, just, just being t- average teenagers – um and so I was um uh, probably protective of that calling and um knew it was there uh, but was protective of it, knowing also that I had to sort of grow a little bit and finish high school even um so my my focus at the times was basically on my studies. Um, it was not till my senior year that I um opened up a little bit more about that, and uh, I went on a teens encounter Christ retreat called Tex. Uh, they were done in the diocese and had a, uh, a good experience uh, of being around other, basically, uh, kids my age, exploring their faith. And that, I think, allowed me to open up uh, to them and particularly to uh, the priests at the time. Father Hayes was uh, on the leading the retreat or was one of the past uh, priests on the retreat and was able to uh, tell him about that experience of prayer. And he uh, confirmed uh, for me, no, that is the Lord talking to you, uh, don't be afraid. Um, uh, I was still afraid, but uh, it was uh, the beginning of sort of that opening up uh, that I wanted to be a priest, or what God was calling me to at least be a priest. He encouraged me to tell my parents, um, and I was able to do that. Um, and they were, of course, very accepting. Um,
1: were they surprised?
0: Uh, no, not really, which sort of uh, surprised me a little. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> But they were uh very encouraging uh, both my mom and my dad um, and so that that helped uh knowing that. Um, I suppose as as a child, you always wonder what uh, uh, even as a teenager, you wonder what people think, um, and particularly as teenagers and so their their support was uh, very helpful.
1: Did they have your parents? Did they have advice for you? did they you know? say so you should act on this right away or pray and see where it goes? Were they kind of laid back? They there? were kind of laid back. They sort of let
0: me sort of explore that. They were encouraging of that, you know, to, to talk to, you know, to priest, to our pastor, and which I did. Um, and that was helpful. I, I determined that I was going to go to college first before I was going to go to the seminary. And, and, and some priests suggested that would be okay as well. So I was going to a Catholic university. Um and so this sort of allowed maybe some more room for, for knowledge and, and maturation, maybe in the process. Um,
1: and that was going to be my next question about um, your college. It would be Xavier. You choose Xavier, mm-hmm. a Jesuit University, um, because it sounds like you still needed more time. You were young and correct. And, and even I think that has become more of the um, the the typical advice is go on and get a college education for for a lot of these young men, go get a little mm-hmm. bit of life experience and see if this call is still there, you know, rather than rushing them right into seminary. I'm seeing that a lot.
0: Right, I, I think uh, that was probably in the back of my mind too, is that I, I could use some more time uh, both to mature and to learn about myself and to acquire the knowledge that I would need to go to seminary, the, particularly the, the courses. Um, the background, the bachelor's degree. Yeah.
1: And how did your four years at Xavier um, you know, c- kind of help your or challenge your call to priesthood, your prayer yeah. life? You know, what, what happened in those four years for you?
0: Well, there, there were challenges in the sense of that not everybody was on the same path of living a Christian life in college. And so I had to sort of be guarded about that. But also, um, I was exploring my faith, uh, learning more about my faith. Um, some professors were were, were very good mm-hmm. about encouraging the Catholic faith. Others were, were not as much. <laughs> but I do recall, though, that the, particularly the chaplain in my freshman dorm was very helpful. Uh, Father uh, Ferroni was his name, and another ch- Jesuit chaplain as well, who I was able to open up with about my, my desires, or at least my calling, to be a priest— um, and it was one of the Jesuits that suggested I, I get a spiritual director. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, so I chose Father Ferroni, who was a very charismatic uh, chaplain in, in the dorm there, and um, that uh, uh, was somebody that I could turn to, uh, particularly in prayer, and he was a good guide. Um, I received uh, you know, also uh, – uh, encouragement from other pastors uh, in the past, uh, my pastor at home at St. Philip's, was time it was Father Benz, to pray particularly. Um, he said, dedicate 20 minutes each day to prayer. And that uh, uh, was something that w- was helpful, um, it was good advice, and I, I also found too that uh, um, um, prayer did come natural, and, and I did uh, enjoy spending time alone with the Lord. So these, these things um, uh, laid a foundation, maybe you, you might say, for my path to, to my vocation.
1: So you had four years at Xavier. It doesn't sound like there were any major challenges to your faith life. Um, you were motivated to attend regular mass. You had, like you say, a good um, Jesuit priests there that were encouraging you to pray daily. Mm-hmm. Um, so this advice, again, is coming to you throughout your life and, and guiding you on your path. And then you graduated there in 1990 and are at the crossroads. Uh, what do I do now? Career, seminary. So which path did you choose? Well, I, I chose
0: career uh, for a couple reasons. I, I was not really ready to enter the seminary. Obviously, the big thing that was holding me back was could I commit to a celibate life? And there was there was a part of me that was longing for uh, uh, marriage, uh, uh, a spousal relationship. You know, the, the joys of that spousal relationship, um, children, and all that. And so, I was not really ready to particularly uh, make that commitment. The other issue, of course, is I had loans uh, uh, from uh, school that had to be paid off, and um, my Parents, you know, reminded me of that as well, um, <laughs> and so I needed work. Um, and And I thought, well, this is probably a good thing anyway to experience uh, the world and how, how people um, make a living, um, how they pay bills, how they uh, uh, save, how they raise uh, money for their families. Okay. So I, I I had to sort of just find a job that might fit my. My education was uh, in the classical languages of Latin and Greek. So, although I was a little bit uh, maybe uh, hesitant about being a priest, my education seemed to be pointing me that way anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of it, it was sort of a, 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 a glove that fit. Uh, I had done well at Saint Charles in the Latin. I'd taken four years, um, and so it seemed to sort of the liberal arts particularly seemed to fit me anyway. Um, I found a job with a law firm uh, in town uh, and was able to uh, uh, to find steady employment there and to pay bills. All the time sort of having in the back of my mind this calling.
1: We're talking with Father Robert uh, Kitzmiller. He's the adjutant judicial vicar at the Columbus Tribunal and our guest today on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. So father what was it then that would make the the de- decision for you to finally say maybe I do need to test this call you know what what was going on in that career situation at the law firm
0: well i i, I obviously i was exploring also dating at that time and was i um, called to marriage and, and i and i found that um those relationships were not happening and i was didn't seem to be uh, going that way um and so um I, uh, six, seven years in uh, or so, I, and I had been hearing also particularly from priests along the way, Father Hayes, Father Ferroni, and still asking me, do you still have that in the back of your head? And and I think that was important because it, it caused me to stop, uh, what I was doing and so, okay, okay, let's look at this again. Um, so about eight years in, I approached the, the Jesuits first about particularly becoming a priest, um went on a retreat. Uh, they they sort of encouraged me to explore it a little bit more, Was I really called a religious life. I then also approached the diocese at that same time. Uh, this would have been uh, late 1998, early 1999. Father Ted Sill was the uh, vocation director mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, he encouraged me to, to pursue uh, an application to the seminary because... Um, he said, well, you're, you're, I was about 30 at the time. I'm getting close to 30. Um, and he said, it's really time for you uh, to, to take this up if this is what the Lord's calling you to. Um, you have um, some good years ahead of you, so uh, you need to make use of them. So um, I said, well, okay. It seemed to be someone, another person saying, uh, God is calling you to this. Uh, it's time to respond. And, and so I applied and was accepted.
1: And you'd be back in school after about eight or nine years. Yes. Um, difficult transition? <laughs> the
0: transition was very difficult. Uh, I was into philosophy. Uh, I had to do a year of pre-theology. I had done philosophy in, in, in college, but it had been a long time. I was able to, to save a year of pre-theology because of my uh, education credits at Xavier. But the transition to seminary life was difficult. It was um, a, a different way of life. Um, I was being introduced to n- not just pr- uh, more intense prayer, but uh, liturgical prayer like the Liturgy of the Hours, which I was not familiar with. We chanted it at the seminary, and so it was, uh, it was very foreign to me at first. It, it seemed like I'd just entered a monastery <laughs> <laughs> and become a monk. Um, but the, the classes were challenging, and it was it was difficult to get back to, into the study frame of mind, which meant sitting down at a desk two or three hours every mm-hmm, night yeah. uh, and just focusing on what's in front of you, uh, which was not the mindset I was coming from in, in the law firm. So that was a challenge. Um, it was a difficult transition year uh, at the seminary as well. We had a fire at the end of the uh, first semester, Um. Uh, fortunately uh nobody was um hurt or killed um but it, it sort of changed everything um our, our exams were canceled uh which was a good thing as i was st- <laughs> was worried about my grade <laughs> uh we we were given the grade that we had or a pass fail grade uh but there was something that uh, uh after that semester changed maybe in, in it was almost a watershed moment for me i was struggling uh uh, to fit in and in my studies at that time and it was like a watershed moment maybe it was a great grace from God so we had as I entered the next semester we we began what was called a spiritual quarter of of maybe intense prayer or studying of uh spiritual works it was about a 5 week program but it it allowed me to sort of take stock of myself and my uh, my journey and um um Then then when we picked up the philosophy in the second half of the semester, things seemed to to flow much better. Um, And once I got into theology the following year, um, I really enjoyed my studies, and I was learning a lot about God and myself and growing as a person.
1: So after five years in total at the Josephinum, you would be ordained in the year 2004. Uh, Is there any key moment from that ordination day that you remember?
0: Uh, yes, I, it was a it was a powerful experience. I was one of uh, six, so I had uh, five other classmates. So it was a big year, mm-hmm. sort of a banner year in the seminary. So mm-hmm. a lot of people were looking forward to it. Uh, as far as the the actual ordination right, the most powerful part was, for me at least, was uh, uh, after the bishop had laid hands on me, all the other priests laid hands on all those who were being ordained. Um, and I recall that being a very moving experience um i, I was we were kneeling in front of uh the line of, of a priest that were coming across to lay hands and my whole body was shaking or at least the top part of my body was shaking. my knees were firmly planted I recall <laughs> that um, it, but i was 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 completely shaking everywhere else <laughs> yeah. and it was just um it was uh, something i I couldn't really. Uh, explain. I wasn't crying or anything, but it was like it was a powerful experience, as if the Holy Spirit uh, was pushing down into me, mm-hmm. <laughs> into my very, very body. Um, the other experience, of course, was uh, a powerful experience is um, during that was the, um, the the litany of the saints that is prayed before the ordination uh, uh, rite begins. Um, uh, the ordinans prostrate themselves and and. Front of the bishop, uh, flat on the floor, face down, and as everybody is chanting uh, 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 and praying, invoking the, the various saints, um, we also prayed uh, that the Lord would would bless our, our vocation. As that finished, we we as we got up, I recall looking down at the ground and. Um, on the floor there, uh, every there was just like a puddle of sweat, <laughs> mm. and I looked left and right. And it was it was the same puddle. It was in front of from each one of us, and so uh, it was obviously a moving experience for us as well. Very it's, intense. It, it yeah. signified maybe the intensity of our prayer and of that moment. Um,
1: That's really a neat story. <laughs> Um, and then your assignments as a new priest, you'd be an associate at St. Nicholas in Zanesville, and then a pastor right away at St. Simon and Jude in West Jeff. And I know because we're kind of the clock is ticking away, but then in May, and I know you loved parish life, but in May 2013, you had another calling, this time from Bishop Campbell, mm-hmm. inviting you to leave your parish, go to Catholic University in D.C. and study canon law with the intent of placing you on the tribunal. How how was that call received by you?
0: That was another difficult call. Um, I loved where I was at as a uh, pastor at St. Simon and Jude. The people were were wonderful. They were very loving and accepting, and, and so I made a lot of friends. It was hard to leave. Um, it was something I knew that the, uh, uh, the diocese needed, um, and so I was willing to do it. Uh, some other priests had talked to me about this, as well, uh, going on to study canon law, to become a judge in the tribunal. Um, so I was open to it. I, I talked with a few uh, other priests. Uh, the bishop asked me to think about it. Uh, I got back to him, said I'd be willing to do it. And so and, uh, basically at the end of summer, end of August of 2013, I went to, to Catholic University in Washington to study canon law.
1: And today you are a judge, Correct. and I know you do a lot of uh, annulments—not mm-hmm. uh, total all, but a lot. And uh, and we've had uh, guests on the show that have been on the tribunal, and and I always, thought, you know, was con- kind of concerned: is it is it a downer? But I do hear about the hope and the reconciliation. So we know you're doing great work there and healing people, helping them um, with their next step in life.
0: Right, you're you're trying to to bring some closure uh to people's uh relationships their marriages so they can move on um it's it can be difficult work but i think it's necessary work and you're, you're you're trying to be helpful and and there's there are some good moments too where where people who are involved in the process tell you that um uh even though this has been difficult for me um it's also been a good thing as well as i've i've learned about myself and if we can do that uh, for people, I, I think that's very helpful in helping, helping them to move on.
1: Well, we see, we love the, the obedience of what you're doing. We, we know God chooses his people for these roles because of the gifts and talents, the exp- experience you've had, obviously. And uh, we thank you for that service to our diocese. Uh, Father Miller. can you leave us with your blessing?
0: Oh, sure. sure very... Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless all the listeners of St. Gabriel Radio. Bless them and keep them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. Father Robert Kitzmiller, thank you for joining us today and sharing your beautiful story.
0: Thank you, Elizabeth.
1: This is Elizabeth Picicelli. Join us again on Tuesdays and Sundays, 1230, for another edition of Answering the Call. Have a great week. God bless you.
0: Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. <laughs>